glory. You can take your seats. Let me get myself organised. Welcome to Vision Sunday for 2024. Let me just get myself all organised. What a good looking bunch you are. Over there in Redcliffe, what a good looking bunch you are. Over there in Morayfield, what a good looking bunch you are. And over there in Cambodia, what a good looking bunch you are. I think we got a picture, is that right? We got a picture of the guys in Cambodia. We haven't got a picture of the guys in Cambodia. All right. So just picture our uh, team there in Cambodia. I could show you on my iPad, but it's not that good. All right. So welcome. It's an exciting day. It's a day I look forward to. A day I always got a little bit of nervousness around because I, I want it to be that, that God captures you, that there's something that happens today that captures you about God's vision for your life, God's vision for this church. So uh, thank you, guys. Excellent. Let's give them a hand. So I do want to say thank you. I said thank you uh, last week to a number of people and at our leaders meeting during the week, but also uh, just to Redcliffe Morayfield, thank you for your prayers for me over this last three and a half weeks as I went through that operation. You know, the, the prayers of God's saints, the prayers of the people in God's church have just so impacted me and just let me know that I'm not alone and I've just so appreciated it and uh, I think I'm doing better and quicker than what I thought. I was ready at church last week and it's just wonderful. So thank you for your prayers. I'm gonna begin with a story. There was an older couple and they were having breakfast one day and they noticed as they looked over the fence that a new couple had moved in next door and they noticed that what they were doing is they were putting out the washing and uh, she looks and she says to her husband, she goes, oh, that poor dear. You know, she goes, she's obviously no one's taught her how to do washing properly and her washing's just still dirty and, and, and it's, it's really sad how dirty it is. And, and, you know, each week they'd get together at breakfast and the couple next door would bring out the, the washing and it's dirty, it, it, it's dirty. I, I can't believe how dirty it is. Oh, that poor, maybe someone should go and talk with her and tell her how to wash her clothes properly and, and how to do those things. And then one day she comes out to breakfast and, she, and her husband all the time just says nothing. He, just, he doesn't say anything at all. And then one day she looks out the and, and she goes, it's clean. Someone must have spoken to her. That's wonderful. Someone must have shown her how to do her washing. And he goes, no, love, I just cleaned the windows. <laughs> right? And so that's what Vision Sunday is about. I'm hoping to clean some windows today. Right? And to, to, to let your vision for yourself this year and the vision for our church, Emerge Church, to become clearer. You know, today my goal is to stir vision. Vision for your body, for your soul, and for your spirit, and for what God can do in you and also through us as Emerge Church in 2024. Vision Sunday promotes unity. Whether you're in Redcliffe, whether you're in Morayfield, Cambodia, here sitting at Warner, we are on one page, one togetherness. Whether you are here all the time in that area and whatever, we are one church. And today we come behind one vision, what God is wanting to say to us. Now, as I remind you each year, the vision for Emerge Church doesn't change every year. You know, God is not a flip-flopper, 
right? He doesn't change his vision for our church just because there's been a, a date change, just because the calendar change. Emerge the church's vision will always be just one sentence and hopefully it will come up behind me. Emerge church will endeavor to make disciples of Christ whose lives example Jesus and make the teachings of Jesus attractive. You want to know what we're about? There it is in one sentence. It's a pretty simple vision, not a whole lot to it, but it really is a plumb line across which we can make all of our decisions. Does this decision fit with that? Yes, we will do it. Does this decision not fit with that? Okay, let's not do it. It's pretty simple. And if to be really honest, the vision of our church was actually set 2,000 years ago by Jesus himself when he said, wait on the Holy Spirit, preach the good news of the gospel and make disciples. That is the bottom line vision of our church. right? But how does that work today? And that's what I believe Vision Sunday does. It gives a nudge. It gives a point in the direction of. It, it gives us a particular focus for us to keep our eye on that will propel us to what God has for us, both personally and as a church. So over the years, I looked at it and I go, you know, there's been plenty of nudges. In 2011, our first year as pastors, our nudge, our, our theme for the year was thrive, not survive. 2012, it was establish and flourish. 2013, it's a new season, don't be afraid. 2014, next steps. 2015, God made manifest. 2016, step out of your boat. 2017, arise. 2018, it's a new day. 2019, say yes. 2020, gee, we needed this word, taking ground. 2021, live. 2022, proclaim and declare. And 2023 was? Fantastic. So it leads me to this year, 2024. Our theme, our word for the year is this. Follow me and I will make you. Say it with me. That's our theme for the year. Let's get to the Bible. Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, speaking of Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is this word, immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know, the vision for 2024 came to me at last year's summer. On a Saturday night after Pastor Ken Lee preached, we were just having a, a moment with God. We we're just having some time of just worship and a, and a moment with God. And, and in that ministry time, God downloaded to me this sermon literally in a minute. It's probably the easiest present uh, preparation I've ever had for any sermon I've ever done, and certainly for a Vision Sunday. I literally got this line after line after line in one minute, just standing there. The scripture that I just read was a scripture that was used twice during the summer, and it really is the foundation for what I believe God wants to say to me, to you, and to us as a church. This is our word for 2024. 
So let's dig a little deeper and see what gold we can find. Let's give you a little bit of background. Jesus is walking and he sees Simon and Andrew doing what they know best, doing what they know to do. They're fishing. They are fishermen. That's what fishermen do. They fish. We know from the Gospels that these verses in, uh, in Luke here are actually just a short version of the whole story. The other Gospels kind of expound it out for a more detailed selling, uh, telling. So they're casting out their nets, but they've caught nothing. Jesus, who they know knows nothing about fishing, tells them to cast their nets on the other side. Now, as fishermen, they would have been pretty ticked off by that. Here's this guy who goes, nothing about fishing. He's all of a sudden, tell me to, to fish on the other side. They've tried every side, right? They've tried every side there was to actually try. All fishermen do that. We've gone out fishing somewhere. You know, you're fishing, nothing happens. All of a sudden, the person on the other side catches a fish and everyone runs over there on this side or at the back of the boat. So that's what happens. They've tried every side. That's what fishermen do. The, the, in response and being obedient to what Jesus asked them, it results in such a large catch that they need to call their partners to help them. And, and, and it's just amazing. Peter is so impacted by this that he falls at Jesus' feet and says, go away. Go away, Jesus. Leave me. Please go away from me because he recognizes the power that's on Jesus' life and he feels completely bereft and completely sinful. He all of a sudden understands that he's in the presence of God. He's had an encounter with God. And this is where and when Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you. I purposely stopped reading there because that's what I believe is our focus. The follow me and I will make you. That's our goal. For Simon and Andrew, it was to become fishers of men. But for us this year, and definitely as individuals, it might be follow me and I will make you fruitful. I will make you creative. I will make you strong. I will make you purposeful. I will make you intuitive. I'll make you charismatic. I'll make you deci decisive. I'll make you an overcomer. You become a great communicator, a great leader, a great pastor, a better spouse, a better steward, a better friend, a better parent, a better worker. Jesus has goals for you. He wants to take you somewhere from where you are today. And everything regarding your life and your calling, Jesus wants to lead you somewhere in. Jesus is interested in leading you somewhere. There's a destination he wants to take you. And whether this is your first time you've ever been in a church, Jesus has a plan for your life, or whether you've been in church for the last 50 years, God still wants to take you somewhere. There's somewhere that he is leading you. It's still the call, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian forever, it's still the call to follow Jesus. So I'm not asking you to follow a merged church. I'm not asking you to follow a man. I'm definitely not asking you to follow me. That, that'll get you in trouble, right? Follow Jesus. Jesus is the one who's saying, follow me and I will make you. Jesus is leading us somewhere. 
But following Jesus comes out of an encounter with him. You know, we are a church that values encounter. Jesus demonstrated his power. The apostles in the book of Acts demonstrated the power of God. Paul, as he goes around and becomes the, uh, the prophet or the, the man of God to the Gentiles, he demonstrates the power of God. Andrew and Simon, Andrew and Peter, encountered G Jesus before they followed him. It was the power of that encounter that made them leave all. They didn't just respect Jesus. They were in awe of him. Because make no mistake, Jesus is asking them to leave everything they know and follow him and trust him, someone they don't know and someone they have yet to trust. And this year, God is gonna ask you to leave behind some things things that you put trust in, things that you know, things that may have got you as far as today, but they're not gonna take you into where God wants to take you. See, words and respect are not enough. Only a real encounter with Jesus is enough to get you to leave all and follow him. Following by definition means that someone else is in control. And you only allow that to happen if Jesus has come into your heart. It's not good enough just to know. You've got to have it in here. It's got to be a conviction. And that's what faith is, the conviction that God is real. That's what faith means. That's a conviction that God is real. And it's not a head knowledge. It can only come through an encounter where it happens in your soul, in your heart. See, I, I, and that's one of the reasons that this message sits so powerfully inside of my heart because I didn't get this vision for our church by looking at what other churches are doing, trying to be that church or trying to do this or that seemed to work over there, so let me try that. No, I didn't do it that way. I, I didn't get this vision because I just racked my brain and, and thought, God, give me something good. Give me something that sounds smart. Help me, Jesus. I wanna sound smart. Give me something that sounds smart. No, I got that. Because right there, on this three little carpet squares, as I was just having a time with God, God downloaded something into my heart. It's not just words. This is something I feel. This is something that's inside of me. This is something that's become part of me. That's an encounter with God. See, leaving all to follow has to come from the heart and not the head. Excellent doctrine alone, or an incredibly well-thought, reasonable and excellent presentation of the gospel isn't enough. Paul said to the Corinthians, I didn't come to you in powerful words, but rather in demonstration of the power of God. You know, many people will look in the story in the book of Acts where Paul is in Athens and he's in the marketplace and he sees that there's a kind of a, 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 a place where they worship a God they don't know. And then he reasons with all the philosophers of, of Greece and of Athens. And, and you know, many people use that and say, look at that, the power of reason, the power of argument. But you can't use reason and argument to win someone to Jesus. Essentially, it doesn't work. 
You'll see in Paul's time, it was a brilliant sermon. It was well thought out. It was able to keep interested the high and mighty philosophers of Greece, but it doesn't end and it doesn't result in many people coming to Jesus. And that's why Paul, he decides, that's it. I'm not going to try and convince anyone anymore with words of just doing it right, of, of being respectful. I want them to see the power of God. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians, I think that should be, 2 Corinthians 2.4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's what I want to see happen at Immersed Church. It's not in the wisdom of men, even though we're gonna try and do it right. We're gonna try and do it well. We're gonna try and do it with a spirit of excellence. But in the end, that's not what's gonna save you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that's gonna save you. See, people will always be much more moved and inspired in their heart by, and, and their spirit than by inspiring their mind. God is a spirit and he works with our spirit and that's why encounter is so important. Encounter moves you to give up your rights, your priorities, your time, your effort and your selfish desires. So this year, we're gonna look at creating space in every one of our services. I love the fact that in worship, we just say, come to the front. And even just this morning, People were getting a real touch from God. God was doing something because man can't always, I can give you some wise advice. I can give you the benefit of some of my experiences, but it's a God and an encounter with God that'll bring true and lasting change. See, following Jesus always means leaving something behind or leaving someone behind. See, they immediately, the Bible says, leave their nets and follow Jesus. But it's not about loss. Even though it means leaving someone or something behind, it's not about loss. It's about gain. Follow me, leave, and I will make you. That's the, that's the gain. God is wanting to make of us something. Follow is our part. I will make you is God's part. Following, by its very definition, means leaving something behind. Following Jesus is about where you're going. Following Jesus is about your future. But in following, there's always a cost. And there is a cost in following Jesus. Salvation may be free, but in the end, it's gonna cost you everything. I wanna say right now, selling a brand of Christianity that is all about what Jesus adds to you in your life is only half a message. That's the I will make you. That's the promise of the word. But you've got to actually remember the, the beginning of our word today. It's follow me. There's a leaving and a cleaving. I leave what is mine and cling to what is Jesus and he takes me to where I want to go. So today on Vision Sunday, you love to preach a nice sugary word that, that blesses you and it's all dessert. But every now and again, you've got to give some vegetables too. right? And so I want to talk and have a look what does following Jesus mean in the Bible? What does it mean? Because it's pretty, some of the harshest words are around this very thing. Luke 9, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, 
I will follow you wherever you go. And I hope that that's your response today. I will follow you wherever you go. Not me, but Jesus. I respond to what Pastor Mark's saying. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna go wherever he wants me to go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus' response to someone who's asked to follow him, he says, hey, it's gonna cost you something. Foxes and birds, they've got what they need. They have certainty, they have predictability, they know exactly what's going on. And oh, look at that, they've got routine, they've got schedule, they know one day from the next, it's all done, it's all determined. But following Jesus, that means you don't know. That means your path is not determined by you. It's determined by the one that you're following. Let me repeat that. By following Jesus, it means you don't know where you're going. Your path is not determined by you. It's determined by the one that you're following. Jesus is saying, is this really what you want? And Jesus tells us a parable of, of, of true kingdom-mindedness is where you've looked at and counted the cost and then said, yes, I'm still wanting to follow. Jesus is saying, every time you say yes to God, uncertainty is your reward. Because though Jesus may know where you're going, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what it is that God is leading you into other than you trust the goodness and the character of God. You know, just last year, my son Jack had a, thrown at him a massive leave and follow moment. He was asked by God, leave your well-paid job where you're being successful, where there's a sure and certain and profitable and predictable future and come and work harder at the church for less money. He said, yes, I will follow you, Jesus, into ministry. But what happens now? He's got no certainty. It's not in his hands. It's up to him to follow Jesus and then it's up to Jesus to lead him to a place that he has no clue about other than he trusts the goodness of God. It was quite funny. There was a week between leaving his job and, and starting at the church and in the middle of that week, he's sitting there going, what have I done? I remember speaking in a church in Wollongong in between leaving Paradise and coming here as a pastor of the church and at the end of the preaching, I, I sat at the back of the church and I'm going, what have I done? What have I done? I've ruined my life. I've taken what I know, to, what, I know what I've been good at, what, where I've been successful. I've, I've, I've left that behind. And, and what have I done moving to Queensland, moving my family? What have I done? But God is always gracious enough to give you the strength to take the step that he's asking you to do. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. That's what happens when you follow him. You have to trust Jesus with your future. Following Jesus is walking by faith, not by sight. There's no certainty. If you need certainty, following Jesus can be really hard because it's the opposite of how the natural world works. The natural works works on how much you've studied and what experience you've had and, and then I'm gonna place you into that place where, where the kingdom of God responds to trust, responds to faith, responds to you moving in obedience to what it is that, that God has said. Let's keep reading, Luke 9, 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead 
bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this seems very harsh. It's not saying that we should care less about our parents or that ministry should take precedence over some life-affecting event. But what it's saying, and it's the word first, that's the key here. What are you putting first? Following Jesus is what needs to be our first priority. See, when my mum died a few years ago, I preached the very next day and conducted an ordination service for another pastor. Yes, I was grieving. Yes, I was distraught. But I wasn't going to let the cycle of life and death, which is the cycle of life, I wasn't going to let that be the arbiter of my spirit. My spirit was in God's hand. And knowing what Jesus had done, I knew I could say, oh, death, where is your sting? And I, and I didn't grieve as those without hope. Yes, I took some time off eventually. I grieved for my mum, and I still do. But following Jesus first is what's in my heart. And to be honest, it's following Jesus first that makes life's tragedies actually bearable and able for you to overcome. Luke 9, 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God moves forward, not backward. If you need to hearken back to yesteryear, if you're not prepared to keep moving, if you're happy to, where, to stay where you are, the kingdom of God loses its potency. It quickly reverts to religion. If your attitude is, I'll give God what I'm prepared to give him, then your world quickly becomes about your kingdom and your kingdom and your Christianity becomes impotent. You have desire, but no capacity to bring that desire to fruition. You can't move forward looking back. If you try, you're headed for a fall. If I'm looking back, whoa, I'm gonna fall eventually. You cannot move forward looking back. So let's have a look at an Old Testament story for a moment. Elisha following Elijah. So Elijah was the great prophet of God, and then he took on Elisha. Elisha left all that he had. He was a farmer and a, and a cattleman, and what he did is he, he uh, sacrificed the, 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 the cow that he had on his tools and said, I'm just gonna leave all and follow Elisha. So this is now near the end. 2 Kings 2 verse 1. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the way from Gilgal. And Elisha said to Eli Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So this is the end of Elijah's time as a prophet. He's about to go to heaven. Elisha has left all, all that he had and all that he knew, and he's following Elisha, Elijah. Elisha has a chance to walk away from following Elisha, Elijah. So those, why do I make him so similar? <laughs> he can stop right now. He can stop there. 
I want to say to you, the call to follow Jesus is not a one-off occurrence. Jesus will ask you that question again and again. Come follow me. Come give you that direction again and again. There'll always be opportunities to step off. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that God will even be mad or judge you if you step off. You're just not going to receive all that he has for you. See, if you think about it, when he's asking you to follow him and he's going to make you, it's not for him. It's for you. When you become who he's made you to be, you are going to live your most fulfilled life. You're not going to be wanting and hungering and desiring and and not feeling satisfied because you're doing what you are made to do. When you do what he's asked, that's the, it's almost like the most selfish you could possibly be is to follow Jesus 100%, giving him everything because he has the best for you. And so I don't believe that God will just write you off, but you just miss out on all that he has and you live a lesser life. Let's continue reading. So they went down to Bethel and the sons of the prophet who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. You know, there's always going to be voices trying to get you to step off, trying to get you to stop following. Voices of those close to you, voices from the enemy, voices of insecurity, voices of lamenting the hard work, the choices you need to make, family voices, friends' voices, social media voices, job voices, finance voices. You know, this year, probably sometime in the middle, we are going to do a 40-day digital fast. So I want to hear, what? <laughs> right? It'll be opt-in. All right, so. Because we've got to stop doom scrolling. We've got to stop our lives being controlled by our phone. How can I listen to God's voice when I'm distracted by the hundred voices coming to me? The hundred voices, oh, Oh, what's their opinion? Oh, what's their opinion? Who are these people that have got opinions? <laughs> We're going to bring some mastery over our phones rather than let our phones master us. The Bible says, all things are lawful for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. And I wonder whether it's our phones that many times cause us to miss out what it is when Jesus is saying, follow me. Mark, follow me here. So I didn't hear that. I'm listening to what they're saying over there. I'm listening to this latest trend. I'm listening to that. Follow me. Was that Jesus? I thought I heard something, but oh, we're gonna do a digital fast and just try and get some mastery over those phones. Notice that it's Elijah himself who has to silence those voices. Elijah doesn't silence those voices. God doesn't silence his voices. Elijah himself has to have the vision and the fortitude to keep going. And he decides to keep going no matter what all the other voices are saying. His eyes are on who he is following. Let's continue. Elijah said to him, Elijah, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. 
the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Another opportunity to stop following. God doesn't force anyone to follow him. It's not a forced reaction. Three times, Elisha has the opportunity to step away. So I don't, I don't want to follow you. But when you understand, when you trust, when you know the goodness of the one who's asking you to follow, you always keep on going. The voices will always be there. And you shouldn't think it's strange because you're having a personal something with God. It's not for me to tell you whether this is that. It's what is God saying to you? There's voices of wisdom around that, that you can go to, but what is God saying to you? People who don't hear it, of course they're gonna think it's strange. Of course they're gonna try and stop you from going where God has wanted you. But what, the, but what you need to do is just say, it's Jesus who's asked me. I trust it and I'm gonna do it. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty of the sons of the prophets also went, and they stood at some distance as they were both standing. Another opportunity to stop following right before the actual fulfillment of the prophets. God is saying, do you really want this? Do you really want this? Are you truly prepared to follow? Elijah then takes his cloak and rolls it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing yet. If you see me as I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Keep your eyes on who's asking to follow, who's, being, who's asking you to follow them. And as they went on and walked, as they went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Elijah receives, Elisha receives the reward of following and sees double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. There are rewards in following to the end. There are rewards. As I said before, you may feel, I remember one time praying and saying, God, you always want something from me. I have to fast, I have to pray. I, I have to do this. You're, you're never happy with me. I, you, and, I, and I said it straight to him. I said, you're no different to my boss at Woolworths. You just want something more. As soon as I achieve something, now that becomes the mark and I have to do more. And I remember the Lord coming to me and saying, Mark, you can stop right now. I will love you. I will care for you. I, I will not judge you. I will not banish you. But he goes, this is what I have for yeah, you. Yeah. That's why you keep on following. Because God has got something for you. Follow me and I will make you. So we're gonna help you 
to hear the voice of Jesus. That's why we're going to do that digital fast. There's no point in telling you, follow Jesus, if we can't help you hear what it is that Jesus is wanting to say. So this year, we're going to teach people how to follow Jesus. What we're going to do at the very start of the year, we're going to do this through all of our life groups. It's called This Is Following God. And it talks about all the different things of our church. And we're going to do this in life groups, but we're also going to do it for people who can't go to life groups. We're going to actually do it at church. So we're going to do it at Redcliffe. We're going to do it at Moray Field. We're going to do it here. And we're going to do it on probably a Tuesday night. Don't, don't hold me to the actual when and how, but we are going to be doing it in life groups because I want to help you follow Jesus. Right? You follow Jesus by acting in faith. You get faith by hearing the Word of God. And we're going to try and help you understand the Word of God. The more of the Word, the more of the Word you know, the easier it is to keep following. And so we're going to ask you to do it. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. I'm going to ask you, do some refresher. You know, as we put this together, some of it's basic. Some of it's just how do you have devotions? How do you know it's God who's speaking to you? We talk about all sorts of things, about evangelism. We talk about your giftings. We talk about all sorts of things in this book. And as I looked at it and I did it, I've been a Christian now for, what is it, 42 years coming up. And there were things I was going, wow, that's really good, right? Because God is always doing something new. Even what was old becomes new again. God is able to get new life out of old patches. So I ask you to do it. You might sit there and go, well, I know everything there is about the Bible. You will get something. You will get something. So in life groups and in groups all around church, we want to help you follow Jesus. Nina and I are going to do a course this year, and we'll probably have to do it centrally because like Nina and I are doing it. But we're going to do a course over six weeks that's going to put together our 28 years for me and 30 Five years for you, something like that. So that's a lot of years. What's that? 63 years of ministry experience. And over six weeks, we're just going to try and put it into you. I don't care if there's 200 people there or if there's two people here, right? But we're just going to do something because we want to disciple you. We want to help you in your walk with God. We want to help you and let our experience help you do that. We want to take seriously this word, follow you, follow me and I will make you. You know, usually when you speak those words, follow me, you're normally talking about new Christians and that's why I want to say this is not just for new Christians. This is for everyone. Because normally we're talking about that. But, But we should, Jesus is wanting to encounter us no matter where we are on the path that he has for us. There's always somewhere new that Jesus is leading us to. Not just at the beginning, but right through to the end. God wants to make you something. So here's a plan for your family. Here's a plan for your career. Here's a plan for your ministry. Here's a, here's a plan for your singleness. Here's a plan for your finances. All these different things God has a plan for. And so this year, we want to do marriage seminars and parenting seminars and finance seminars and singleness seminars and and all sorts of seminars, work 
seminars to help you be what you can be, to hear what it is, to take that next step in that area. We want to help you do those things. This is a year we're going to teach you how to follow him in all of those areas. But we've got to get the order right. God is first. One of the great statements I heard last week in the video from Robert Morris was like, even if God isn't first for you, he still is first. So get on the success. Get on the train of success and make him first. You don't have to make him first for him to be first because he will always be first. So get on the train, so to speak, and make him first. Maybe the band could come. You know, this is exciting. Look at this. This is called This Is Emerge. See, if you don't give a certain sound, if, if you don't say what it is that, that we're wanting to, to see happen, how can people follow? When Jesus asks us to follow him, he doesn't go, follow me, follow me. You know, he's not, it's not a secret, right? Jesus was loud, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So what we want to do, instead of giving out a welcome pack every week saying we love you to be in church, we're going to give every new person and we're going to give you, everyone here today, we're going to give you one of these. This is a quality magazine. Talks a little bit about uh, our vision for the church. You'll get to see it in a moment. And it talks about who we are. And it also talks about our expression. You know, I remember... The first time I came to church, I had no idea about church. I didn't know anything about church. I hadn't been in a church like this. I had no idea. But I had a little brochure there, and it said, why we raise our hands? Why we take up an offering? Why we worship and sing? And so it's just there. Why? Just with the Scripture. Don't try and explain it. Just let the Bible explain itself. Then it's, follow me our word for the year and I will make you. Then there's next steps. Get connected. And all of these have got little QR codes. Men's, women's, seniors, all our groups. Kids merge. Emerge you. Sensory, all these different things. Missions. Hey, Cambodia. Emerge care. Our summer that we got this year. All these different things. We want to give this into people's hands and say, this is who we are. You know, when I play golf, I'm going to have one of these in my bag. Because people always ask, oh, what do you do at pastor church? Oh, da, 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 da. Here, have a look at this. This is who we are. This is who we are. It explains who we are without shoving it in their face. But it gives a voice to follow. It, it's, a, it's a declaration, a voice for us to follow. One of the other things that we're doing this year is that we've asked Angie Bedville, come stand, Angie, there she is. Can we get the camera over there for more? Everyone knows over there. Can we get that, do that? Uh, maybe not. All right. There's Angie. Come, come up here quick. You know, Angie's, uh, well, don't touch me, I'm sweaty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, Angie, is our kids' pastor. But what we've done this year, we've asked her to become our church's family's pastor. 
So not just about kids, but family. She's come on full time and she's gonna have responsibility because one of the things we wanna do is we wanna bring leadership to each area so that can people hear clearly what it is that God is wanting to say. God will use a man, but you're still gonna have to hear for yourself, right? And so we've asked quality leadership. You know, Ange came on and there was this role, but the role has become this and become this and become this. But one of the things, the reason we can ask Ange to do it is because she's grown into that role, right? She's showing herself faithful over that and then over that and over that. And now she's gonna follow God and she's gonna prove faithful and have enough to do this next role to be the family's pastor because we wanna give a certain word. So pray for her. Let's give her a hand. Well done, Ange. But this is where the rubber hits the road. What about you? Two things. What voices do you need to say? Keep quiet. Keep quiet. What resolve do you need to make this morning to say, I am going to follow Him and He is going to make me? You know, I'm going to pray and we pray all the time that you have enough of an encounter with God this year that you're willing to lay down your nets. You're willing to lay down your nets and immediately follow. An encounter with God that's strong enough to shush the voices that are telling you to step off, telling you you've done enough, telling you there's not another step, telling you that, that, that it's not worth doing, calling into and casting dispersions on the character and the goodness of God. You need to tell those voices, step off. Let 2024 be the year where following Jesus is the only thing that makes actual sense. You know, we're gonna come to a time of communion. So goodbye, Morayfield. Goodbye, Redcliffe, Cambodia. You're staying you know, Hendrika and Pastor Joe are going to come into your areas. I'm going to ask Nina to come. She's going to lead us in communion. But remember me and say it with me. Follow me and I will make you. Say it with me again. Follow me and I will make you. Thank you. God bless.